Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Dave Pash Podcast. I'm your host, Arizona Cardinals and ESPN broadcaster Dave Pash. Our guest this week is Clemson head coach Dabo Sweeney, two-time national champion, seven-time ACC champion, 11 straight 10-win seasons, college football playoff appearances, six straight years until 2021. Dabo now in his 15th year at Clemson, 14th full season, and he gets into a lot of stuff about what to expect from Clemson here in 2022. They have two new coordinators, potentially some competition at quarterback. We'll also talk with Dabo about Cardinals connections, including Wes Goodwin. Wes was an assistant to Bruce Arians for a couple years and is now taking over the defense at Clemson, replacing one of the most successful coordinators in college football the last 20 years in Brent Venables, who's now the head coach at Oklahoma. We'll also talk about Isaiah Simmons and DeAndre Hopkins. Both played for Dabo Sweeney at Clemson. You know, I watched New Hopkins play peewee ball, middle school ball, high school ball, and he was the best athlete. He was a, a legend uh, around here, you know, and uh, not a highly recruited guy at all. And I'd say he's had a pretty good career. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Hotels and Casinos. Get ready for a football season like never before with BetMGM, an official partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Sign up today using code CARDS1000 and get your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 and over, Arizona only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. All right, time for our conversation with Clemson head coach Dabo Sweeney. Well, Dabble, first, I guess let's talk about training camp. It's year 14 for you, uh, 14th full season as the head coach at Clemson. How's camp been so far? It's been great. Uh, we, we've we had a, uh, a healthy camp, which has been a, a positive for us, and uh, just broke camp, kind of starting to flip the script, and, and they get their lives back and start you know, getting back to – being scholar athletes again and you know we've kind of had all football for three weeks uh so it's been good we've got a lot accomplished a lot a lot uh you know installed offensively defensively special teams situations you name it we've got a much better feel for our personnel and roles on the team and all those type of things so it's been a lot of fun i think it's a close group uh, with with a lot of veteran leadership and uh, a team that i think has a chance to to compete for this league and that's really what we focus on every year if we can compete for our league and, and good things come from that I read where you said this is the best quarterback room you've had which to me can given that you had a guy that you know was the number one overall pick in the draft and Trevor Lawrence and you've had Deshaun Watson obviously that's quite yeah. a statement tell me about this group because Kate Klubnick who obviously was highly recruited I'm sure when we call your game for ESPN Labor Day night against Georgia Tech. We're going to be talking about him, and obviously a lot of eyes are going to be on your starter, DJ Uyunglele. Yeah, well, we got a long way to go before we can say we've got a Trevor or Deshaun, but as far as the room, there's no question it's the best room I've had uh, in that, I mean, when <clears throat> when uh, Trevor was here, I mean, I, we won it all in 18, and it was Trevor Lawrence as a true freshman, and Chase Bryce was a redshirt freshman, and our third-team quarterback was a guy named Hunter Renfro, and our fourth-team quarterback was our punter, 
Uh, so you know, we <laughs> we really had two guys, and and even when we won it in sixteen, you know, we just didn't have the type of quality depth we got in the room. I mean, we got a bunch of functional dudes in our room. A lot of people don't have one, but and we got a DJ who's a high level talent and and uh, can can play this game at a high level. Uh, we got big expectations for him, and then you know, Kay Klubnick, uh, number one quarterback in the country, coming in here. Uh, he is better than than he's advertised i mean he's a great great young talent he's been here since january so he really um is just very advanced and and can go win for us without a doubt and then we got hunter johnson who was coming out of high school the number one quarterback in the country and he's a sixth year guy uh who started his career here at clemson and then he went to northwestern and and uh, you know, started some, got injured, had some some challenges there. But he's a he's just a very mature, very polished, uh, unbelievably experienced guy. He's just you know he's a sixth year college player, and he's our third team guy. And then we've got a kid named Billy Wiles and Hunter Helms, uh, two guys that uh, can can play as well. That are that are going to be you know redshirt freshman guys that we we feel good about. Um, and a young man named Trent Pierman. So we've got we've got who was two time Gatorade Player of the Year in this state. So we've got just just a bunch of guys who who you know we're not trying to make a quarterback like with Hunter Renfro. We're, we've got guys that can really play the position, and it just gives us more depth than we've had in a while. So again, it's been a long time. I I, I can't remember having three guys like we have that could go win for us because I really believe that DJ and Cade. And Hunter Johnson can can absolutely win for us um, if we need him to go play. Dabo, you've got two new coordinators. Both worked the bowl game. We we called that game uh, for ESPN. So they both have done it when the bullets are live. And actually, your defensive coordinator is a guy that Cardinal fans probably should be familiar with, but maybe they're not because they don't remember the role that Wes Goodwin had here. He was actually – basically an assistant to B.A., assistant to Bruce Arians. I know he had spent time at Clemson before and then after, and now he's calling the defense. How's Wes doing? And just tell me why you went in that direction with him. Oh, man, Wes is great. And, you know, I've known Wes. So when I got this job uh, in December of 08, um, I hired Woody McCorvey. You probably know Woody. Yep. And, uh, and Woody was – coming from Mississippi State at the time, you know, was with Sylvester Croom there. And, and, you know, what he told me, he said, he said, he said, Dad, we got to, I got, I know you got your staff set and you got everybody want to hang us, but we got, there's one guy, we got to find a way to get this guy to Clemson. And, uh, and I'm like, well, who is it? And uh, that was the first time I ever heard of Wes Goodwin. And so he came as a grad assistant and, uh, and I, I, it didn't take me long to realize why, why Woody, um, uh, you know, said we need this guy. He he is he is a uh, he's kind of always been a behind the scenes guy. Um, just a brilliant mind for the game. Uh, you know, understands the game at a, at a level that not many people do. Uh, a great defensive mind, but he also really understands offensive football. Um, and um, you know, he, his he he's been a a really to me kind of a rock uh, within our staff for a long time. And, you know, back in 2012, you know, he actually, when we beat LSU in that crazy game down there in Atlanta, uh, my DB coach had left, and, and he went to Auburn. And so Wes 
uh, we put him on the field, and, man, he did an awesome job in that game. That was the first time I got a chance to see him on the field other than when he was a grad assistant. So he just kept getting promoted here. And then he left to go to the NFL out there with Bruce. And, uh, honestly, I probably would have – the best thing that happened to me in Clemson is Bruce uh, retired, uh, you know, at the time. So when he retired, uh, it was an opportunity to get Wes back here. And, man, he's just been awesome. And everybody he's worked with, uh, you know, Kevin Steele here, uh, certainly Brent, you know, was the first person Brent wanted to take. He, he, he really, you know, wanted to take him to Oklahoma, but I wasn't going to let that happen. But he's just he's just a great coach. Uh, he's got a great demeanor. He really relates well to the players. The guys respect him. Everybody in the building respects him. And uh, so just think he's got a, a, a bright, bright future. And uh, it was an easy decision for me because I've seen him since, you know, December of 08. I've watched him, and I know what he's capable of. And really, honestly, for the last probably two and a half, three years, uh, the only reason he's still been here is, you know, I've told him he was going to get this opportunity, um, you know, because I kept thinking Brent was going to get a job, and he kept turning jobs down. And, uh, you know, Wesley's turned down several jobs uh, to go coach linebackers in the NFL or, or whatever, and um, to stay here. So he's been patient, and it, and it was his time. And I'm really glad, uh, as you said, we got a chance to, to do the bowl game. Uh, you know, Streeter got a chance to run the offense, and West got a chance to with the defense. And so that's valuable experience for us, uh, especially going against a tough opponent like Iowa State, to be able to have, you know, that live in-game experience. And uh, he did a great job for us, and, and he's just carried it over into the spring. We got a great staff, um, and uh, you know, again, uh, I think we got a chance to be a, a really special defense. Brent, being Brent Venables, who's now the head coach at Oklahoma, you mentioned Woody McCorvey, Woody's nephew, Quinton, actually works for the Cardinals in social media. He runs uh, uh, the Twitter feed and many other things for the Cardinals. So a lot of Cardinals Clemson connections. And I used to talk to West Dabble all the time when he was here, and he really impressed me. In fact, in, in some ways, he, he kind of reminded me of you. Like You probably don't remember this. I did your first game uh, when Tommy Bowden resigned, and I remember the production meeting with you that week, and obviously there's a lot going on in the middle of the season. I know you're close with Tommy. You get the job as the interim coach, but I, that production meeting when we were calling the game for ESPN stood out because of how confident – Either you were or, or you seemed, um, and Wes is similar to me. And I, I'm just curious, like, did you? How long did it take you to to get the confidence to run a program like Clemson? Was it immediate? Because it seemed immediate back in 08. Yeah, well, you know, I was confident um, in my ability to do it. I, I, I wasn't. I knew I had a lot to learn, uh, but I was confident because I I had prepared for a long time. You know. To, since 1993, when I got into coaching, you know, I prepared to be a head coach. And, you know, I had, I had um, you know, really worked at it for years and years uh, as far as, okay, if I – and then I had interviewed for a couple of jobs, um, which really forced me to, to pull everything together on kind of like, okay, who am I? What, what, would, what would my program look like? What, do I, what are my beliefs, you know? Uh, whether it be discipline, academics, philosophy, offensively, defensively, what would my staff look like? What, what does what you know? I had this vision of player development, which is now called Paul Journey. All, all these things, um, and so 
you know, I, and I was just confident in in uh, uh, myself to be able to to get the job done simply because of what my life had taught me, and uh, and I was prepared to to uh, I wasn't afraid to fail, uh, to be honest with you. But that that I, I knew, man, I had a lot to learn as a head coach. I don't. There's no greater teacher than experience. I mean, you just I don't care how much you prepare, how much you read. There's 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 nothing like doing it, but I felt like I was prepared as I could be. And, uh, so, you know, and then I, and then I knew, I knew I had the support of the players. I knew I had the belief of, of those kids on that team and, uh, that they really wanted to, you know, finish and, 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 you know, not go out the way it was. And, and we did, we went four and two and, and had a chance to, and then I got the job. So, um, I knew I had a lot to learn, but it was just a lot of excitement. You know, I was 38 years old, and, and um, you know, for 15 years I had really been preparing for that opportunity. I had no idea it would ever, ever come. I always thought I'd get a, a job a normal way, but really nothing's been normal in my life anyway, so it was kind of fitting. Do you still I, – I remember from – I still have them, actually. I think from the championship years, you were giving out – to a lot of people, we haven't been there in a while because of COVID in person. But you were giving out; they look like poker chips. I oh, can't. Yeah. yeah. Do you still? You guys still do those? And what's the what's oh, yeah. the theme? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So you know when I when I if you go back and so the very first day as the interim when um, um, the, the change happened mid morning and you know uh, it was a Monday and and you know we got to practice that night. We're playing just this Georgia tech team. Oh, by the way, they've just got this new triple option coming in. And, um, so, you know, coach Bowden met with the team at like four and then, and then I came in and I met with the team all by myself, just me and those guys. I didn't have anybody else in the room. And basically I told them what the AD told me. Cause you know, the AD told me after I met with him, I went into the meeting with the AD thinking I'm just, you know, he's going to maybe try to get the next guy to keep me and it's going to be a miserable experience. But when I was in there with, with Terry Don Phillips, he, he, he basically said, you know, Dabble, I've watched you for five and a half years, and I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I really think you're what we need at Clemson. That was exactly what he said. And he goes, he goes now, here, I'm going to interview a bunch of people. I'm going to hire the best guy. He goes, but no matter what happens, whether you win a game or lose a game or lose them all, I'm going to give you an interview for this job. And he goes, but here's what I really want. For the next, I had seven weeks. He said, for the next seven weeks, I don't want you to be the interim head coach. I want you to be the head coach, and I want you to think like the head coach. And he goes, I want you to look at this as an opportunity, you know, and I want you to do whatever you want to do to fix us. If you want to fire the whole staff, and that was basically, I mean, so I, you know, I, I was just kind of blown away with what he told me. And so, you know, he empowered me that way. And so I was like, you know, I was like, wow all right, I got seven weeks here. And, and basically when I met with the team that night, I wanted them to know what he told me. So I told them what he said. And I said, look, guys, I know I don't have a good chance at this job, uh, but I got a chance. And for the next seven weeks, man, I'm all in. All right. And, and, and I explained to them what that meant. You know, I mean, and then I laid out the expectations of what it meant for them. And I mean, an absolute, an absolute commitment to being and doing their best in everything that they do, I, becoming people of excellence, and learning how that that when you when you when you decide to live your life that way, it carries over into every area of your life. You know whether it's being a better football player or being a better person, or, 
the relationships, whatever it is. And I just said, you know, we're going to practice at 6 o'clock. And I laid out how we were going to change things from how we were going to practice to how we were going to travel to how we were going to meet, yada, yada. And, um, and I said, if you want to be a part of that and you truly are all in, then you come to practice. If not, clean your locker out. Hey, your scholarship's good. When the next guy gets hired, hey, you come on back, no problem. But for the next seven weeks, here's how we're going to do it. And so everybody showed up at practice that night. And then what happened is when that practice was over, I, I went in. I mean, I thought I was going to talk to two reporters or something, and they got this, you know, whole room. And and the media asked me, and I told the media what I told the team. I said, hey, look, I'm all in. I got seven weeks, and I don't know how it's going to go, and I know I don't have a great hand. I kind of got like pocket eights, but I got a chance, and, for, and I am all in. And And so that's where it came from that Monday night, and it kind of took on, you know, a, a life of its own there in 08. And so later on in the week, um, as we were really trying to, you know, build the, the mindset of the team, you know, I'm like, you know what, why don't we, is there any, I went to a guy, I said, is there any way we can make like a poker chip? Like, and I, what I want to do, I want to put one in their locker. And the last thing I want them to do is they walk out of that locker room is I want them, I want to get a big bucket that says I'm all in. I want to <laughs> have to tangibly throw that chip in the bucket as just kind of one last reminder of, of the commitment that everyone has made. And so that's how it started. And then, and then we to this day. So if it's if it's if it's game five, there's five chips in their locker. If it's game fifteen, there's fifteen chips in their locker. And the last thing we do to this day is, man, we throw those chips in that bucket. And it's and it's just a again a tangible, visual, physical reminder of, hey, I'm committed. You know, to being my best, doing my best, and everybody's everybody's committed with me. So that's where that came from, and it's. It, it, you know, the all-in chips here are, are something that's just a staple in our program. It always has been, and, and uh, <clears throat> you know, so just a part of who we are. So I, as we say, it's it's just a it's it may be a slogan at some places, but it's a lifestyle here at Clemson. Couple of questions on former Clemson Tigers that are playing for the Cardinals, and then we'll get you out of here. One of the reasons, Dabo, that you and your staff have been able to have so much success is recruiting. Isaiah Simmons, who was a first-round pick a couple years ago by the Cardinals, they're depending on him to have a huge year, and they're moving him around a lot, uh, similar to what Brent Venables and you guys did with yep. him there. How did you find him? How did you how did you know because he was in Kansas, right, at Community College? How did yeah. you find him, and what did you expect from him, and how often do you talk to him now? Yeah, so – you know, he's one of those great stories and, and one of the reasons that we have the philosophy that we have here at Clemson and that I'm always trying to slow the recruiting process down because the recruiting process is sped up and now it's like, you know, you're, you're some evil empire if you don't offer a freshman, you know, or, or a sophomore, God forbid, you know, he's played one year of varsity football and, and now we're, everybody's expected to just offer all these kids. Um, and, you know, we forget football is very much a developmental game. Even at the pro level, there's still guys that are developing. And, but in high school, I mean, these kids are they're changing daily. I mean, it's just a, it, it's, they're, they're at that stage of their life. So I'm always slowing the recruiting process down. And, and so uh, we go, go back to 2015. We played in the national championship game, got beat. And, you know, as a coach, you, you only – like you get 85 scholarships. And so – you know, you plan your scholarships for the next class based on how many seniors you have or if you have a junior or two that has told you they're leaving, you know, you, you kind of plan your 
your your roster that way. And uh, and so you know we've never been a program that has oversigned or overcommitted or anything like that. Because then you get in a problem. Because then you got to start running people off and that stuff. So that's just not how we operate. That particular year, you know, we had some guys that had decisions to make, and we're in a national championship run for the first time since 1981. I mean, it was a, it was, it was a, and nobody, nobody was ready to make a decision like that. They didn't, you know, everybody was just focused on what they were doing. And then all of a sudden we get done with that game and we had four, we were not recruiting. So as a result, all my DBs were, were juniors and we were planning on them being back. And, you know, all of a sudden when that game's over, J Ron curse decides to go pro. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander decides to go pro. Uh, Travis Blanks decides to go pro. And then a young junior, a young junior named TJ Green, safety, decides to go pro. So now we're sitting here, man, we got three weeks to go recruit, signing days in February, and we just had four juniors who had another year leave. So we got in the DB business real quick. And, uh, and so I'll tell you who we signed. So we're, we're looking, so we're going to, we're looking all over the place. And we find it, we, we, we knew about Trayvon Mullen, uh, but, but, you know, we didn't really heavily, heavily recruit him until we knew we had a spot. So Trayvon probably was going to go to LSU, but Trayvon ends up coming to Clemson. And, uh, and now, you know, it was with the Raiders and the second round pick. Uh, then we signed, um, we signed uh, Trayvon Mullen. Uh, we signed a kid named Kayvon Wallace, who I'd never heard of in, in my life, met him. Met him a few days before, like the week before signing date. He was a kid that blossomed as a senior in high school, not was hardly recruited at all as a junior, you know, some lower level. And then his senior year, at the end of the year, man, he got he started getting some schools. And Brent got a call and he evaluated him, finds him, and so we get Kayvon Wallace, who now is with the Philadelphia Eagles. And then we got uh, we got a, a kid. Uh, he comes to me and he says, "Hey, let's watch this kid. He played receiver and safety." big old long, langly, gangly guy out in Kansas named Isaiah Simmons. And so I get on the phone with Isaiah Simmons because I, he had a, and I, and I, cause I, I said, all right, here's the deal. I said, if, if you are willing to come visit Clemson, I'm going to fly out there and meet with you and your family. And he was interested with one visit left. So I flew out and, uh, and we had a great meeting with he and his family uh, there in Olathe. And he was a guy that, as a sophomore in high school, you were not going to offer Isaiah Simmons. You know, he was just a like a young giraffe. You know, growing into his, in his into his awkward body. And uh, but all of a sudden, as a senior, he's this high level track guy, could fly, he could jump. But you could see he was still a raw guy. And uh, but man, he had some. He had just natural traits. And so he comes on his visit, and he loved it. And uh, and so you know, hit it off with he and his family. Uh, his broad brother had played college ball as well, and, and they had a good understanding of the process. So he comes in here, red shirts, same thing. He wasn't, wasn't ready to play. He red shirts, then he plays as a red shirt freshman, you know, and the kid grows in and develops into who he is and is the eighth pick in the draft or whatever. Um, just this incredible dynamic player. Um, but never, never met him until January of his senior year. Didn't even know who he was. And now all of a sudden we get a kid that's the eighth pick in the draft. And then we got this kid named Nolan Turner out of Birmingham, Alabama, who I think I think we were his only Division One offer. 
I think he had some one double A offers, but I think we were his only division one. And I had played with his father, Kevin Turner, who played was a great NFL player for a long time. And he and I were great friends and his, his father had passed away from ALS and I just always kept up with Nolan. Well, originally we didn't have a spot. And I was like, you know what, let me go watch Nolan Turner. And so I watched his tape and his high school coach who coached fifty years there in Birmingham his exact words to me, I called Buddy Anderson. I said, hey, let's talk. I said, because I know what I see on tape. And so, but I felt like I was a little biased. So I took, I take, I go down to Brent and I said, hey, I want you to watch this kid and tell me what you think. So we pull him up and Venables goes, he's, we start watching him and Venables goes, well, who's this guy? Where's he at? <laughs> you know, he just starts getting all excited. He's like, and I said, and I said, so you really like this guy, huh? He goes, coach, this guy can play. Where is he? And I said, all right, that's all I need to know. And so I, I call his high school coach, Buddy Anderson, and I'll never forget it. You know, Buddy's coached a million guys in college, and I said, Coach, uh, I'm calling you about Nolan. And I had offered him a walk-on spot the year before. I said, I'm calling you about Nolan. I said, hey, listen, I know you know the relationship we'll have with the family, but what's your opinion on him? And he goes, Coach, he's as good a football player as I've ever had here, and I can't get anybody to, to recruit him. And he said, I don't understand, and it's frustrating, and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, I'm going to recruit him, and I'm coming to offer him a scholarship tomorrow. And I flew in the next day, went and saw his dad. And it was just a really cool moment. And uh, and actually, when I get off the phone with you, I'm I'm going to be on the phone with the Bucks, Rick Stroud, the, one of their top uh, oh, yeah. guys. Because yep. it looks like he's going to make their team as an undrafted free agent. Uh, and he was a great player here for us. So that was our DB class that year. And all of those guys are in the NFL now. Every single one of them. Uh, TJ was a second-round pick. You know, Kayvon was like a fourth-round pick. Trayvon was a second-round pick. Isaiah was the eighth pick in the draft. And Nolan is, like I said, undrafted, kind of like he was coming out of high school. Uh, but looks like he's going got a good chance to even make the 53-man roster as an undrafted free agent. So I'd say we hit on all those guys. But Isaiah was just, again, a classic example of – you know, if you fill up with a bunch of 10th graders, well, you don't have any room to take a guy like Isaiah as a senior, you know. And so that's why I, my philosophy here at Clemson is we're not offering freshmen and sophomores, you know, unless unless I know them, they've been here, you know, because that's a good way to, 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 to go out of business quick uh, because, you know, you're going to miss out on some good players that, that develop in high school and you got some, some young guys that are great players as 10th graders and you know what? They're maxed out. And as a senior, they're not. They're, you wouldn't offer them as a senior, but you're already committed to them as a tenth grade. So that's just kind of been how we've gone about it. And Isaiah is a great example every year for who our staff. And uh, so I'm just really, you know, Travis Etienne is another one. Travis, I never met Travis till December of his senior year. You know, and same thing. He wasn't. He wasn't some highly recruited tenth grader or eleventh grader. You know, he, he was in a option offense and, and just kind of kept blooming, you know, just kept blossoming. Next thing you know, he's got all kind of offers everywhere and the rest is history. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the backstory there on Isaiah. And then New Hopkins, uh, who's there with you, you know, I, 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 we still, to this day, there's, there's three guys in the NFL from, from uh, this little Daniel high school right here in Clemson, South Carolina. You know, I watched New Hopkins play peewee ball middle school ball, high school ball, and he was the best athlete anywhere. He was he was a, a legend uh, around here, you know, and uh, 
he did it all. He was an unbelievable basketball player, unbelievable safety, unbelievable receiver, just everything he did. And uh, so, you know, we kind of had the inside track. Not a highly recruited guy at all. Uh, a lot of people didn't offer him because he didn't have, you know, great times, you know, coming out of high school. But, again, the kid never really had learned how to run as far as for times and things like that. And, you know, was undersized. Came here about 180, left here about 210, 212. And, and I'd say he's had a pretty good career. So he was a local kid um, that uh, we had a lot of inside information on. Great stuff, Dabo. I know you got to run. Really appreciate the time, man. Look forward to seeing you in person in Atlanta for the Chick-fil-A kickoff game, and uh, best of luck this season. You got it. Hey, see you soon. All right. Thanks, Dabo. Well, you can imagine what our production meetings are like with Dabo. It's great, though. He tells you everything. He spends so much time, gives you so much detail on players, and you can just sense his love for his former players. And they've done a fabulous job of finding guys like Isaiah Simmons. And then DeAndre Hopkins, who was a local kid, not highly recruited, but somebody that the Clemson staff, including Dabo, had monitored, even going back to middle school. What a great success story. DeAndre Hopkins, Isaiah Simmons, and Dabo Sweeney, and Clemson football in general. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Hotels and Casinos. You can follow us on Twitter, at PashPod. Also, go to your podcast platform. Tell us what you think, whether you like us, whether you think we stink. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any thoughts on future guests, we do have Charles Davis, CBS broadcaster, and ESPN NFL analyst Marcus Spears coming up. But if there's anybody else you want to hear from, let us know what you think. Thanks again to Clemson head coach Dabo Sweeney. I'm Dave Pash. Thanks to you for listening to another edition of the Dave Pash Podcast.